I think as a paying client, at least for me, I'm like, uh, okay, this date's going to cost X amount of dollars. And I'm not even trying to sound like cheap because it's <laughs> not, not about that. But if, you know, the first person is not whatsoever a match and you're not really open to it, that's a couple thousand dollars down the drain. And if you're up to number two <laughs> and you don't get, say, like a second date or just, again, not a great fit, then there's so much more pressure in that situation. Welcome back to Interstates and Heartbreak. I am so honored today to interview venture capitalist and startup consultant Brandon Meyer on the podcast. So Brandon provides the male perspective on a very specific element of dating, the world of matchmaking. And so I feel like he's going to be such a great guest. But Brandon, before we dive into that, I think we have to address the fact that you're probably the guest who I've had like the most unique introduction to. Definitely. So to take a step back, and this might be a lot, I met Jenna Cutter through the podcast. And so she was exploring signing up for three-day rule matchmaking around the same time when I released my first podcast episode with the founder of the company. And so since then, I've interviewed Jenna for the podcast. We've become friends. We confide in each other about dating. And so our friendship actually led me to meeting you because Jenna introduced me to you after three-day rule introduced the two of you as a setup. So very meta kind of intro. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to, first of all, you know, do an interview with someone who's a stranger to you, essentially, and to just talk about matchmaking. Because we've had a couple of conversations about it, but I feel like a lot of times it's told from the female perspective. And I think that people will be interested to hear a guy's side of things. I'm happy to provide any feedback that I possibly can on the matter. (laughs) Awesome. So I guess we can dive in. And I feel like this could be a really great time to grill you on awkward questions about how things are going with Jenna, but I'll save that for off the air. And I guess my first question for you is, well, one hesitation that people might have around using matchmaking services is like, what are the types of people who use these services? And so to give some context for our listeners, can you provide a bit of background about yourself? Yeah, uh, so I moved to LA about three years ago from New York City, lived in New York City for about 15 years, went to school there, worked there. And I think later in life, especially career wise, you get really busy. And dating just gets harder and harder Mm -hmm. (laughs) post-college. It's so true. College is like the easiest time and we never even really take full advantage of it. No, no. Honestly, it's an extremely special time just where you have access to so many people. And when you kind of think about Mm -hmm. how pandemic-wise, those groups have totally shrunk and they continue to shrink, you know, throughout the years, depending on, you know, what you're doing. So true. And for a little bit of additional context, if you don't mind sharing with listeners, how old are you? I'm 37. 
37. Okay. Okay. So I guess before you signed up for matchmaking, like how would you typically meet people? Were you someone who relied on the apps? Were you meeting people a lot either through your work or through activities that you would do? Honestly, I'd gotten out of a two and a half year relationship and was in another two and a half year relationship prior to that. So I hadn't really gotten into the apps too much. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's always kind of been an awkward exchange of sorts to try to think of, you know, what do you want to say to this complete stranger, which is why the world of matchmaking appealed to me Mm -hmm. to have someone else do it for me. That makes total sense. Because yeah, the apps are I feel like it definitely takes a lot of getting used to it such an odd concept at its core. So if not on the apps, how did you meet those two exes who you were in relationships with? The great part about New York City, I think over, you know, anywhere else that you could possibly live is, especially having gone to school in the city, that's your whole network. So I met my two exes ago through friends, roommates, and then my other ex, I was working at a co-working space and she also had an office at the space. So That's so nice. I feel like it's so refreshing when you get to make those in-person connections. And for myself, the first three like serious relationships that I had, I met them all in person. So it very much makes the apps even more daunting when that's your only experience is like the only way I can meet people who I'm actually a good match with is in person. And it makes it feel like it's impossible to meet someone on the app. So yeah, I totally get wanting to kind of skip the step of the apps in order to just have someone weed through your dates for you. Yeah, it seems better in theory. So I know that, you know, you met Jenna, she signed up as a client, and then you were presented as a possible match. Is there like another word for that other than like as a match? Match connection, like she is a client of three day rule, which I was a client of previously, just pre pandemic. And uh, her matchmaker reached out to me. Mm -hmm. Since you know, it's a relatively small company that the matchmakers know one another. So she got my information from mm-hmm. the, my previous matchmaker and set Jen and I up. Uh, basically, what they typically do is there's a screening process. So they went through the process of not only seeing if I was interested, but then screening me to make sure that, you know, I matched up with the interests of their client. Mm-hmm. So... When you're kind of, as a guy, when you're signing up for matchmaking services, like what frame of mind are you in in terms of what you're looking for in a relationship? Because I feel like when you're on the apps, you really never know. It's like people could literally be on there for just a hookup or they could be on there to meet their wife, you know? But I feel like oftentimes the preconceived notion for matchmaking is like, these are people who are super serious. So given that you had just kind of exited a relationship, like what was your state of mind? And were you ready to be in a serious relationship or just kind of seeing what happened. I wasn't ready to be in a serious relationship, but my thought process was, you know, what you kind of listed early on. I was in a really serious relationship. Once I found out she was dating pretty quickly after the relationship, I felt compelled to do the same. But I'm very competitive, so I also felt compelled Mm -hmm. to do it better. (laughs) And I hired a matchmaking service being open-minded that like hopefully this will help me get out of this funk mm-hmm. and i feel like sometimes we will look past some of our red flags per se 
and they don't have to necessarily be the worst red flags in the world, mm-hmm. but they might be something that still would nag you enough that in the end it's not going to work out and you're just going to potentially waste time. So for me, I also thought that, you know, having a matchmaker that knows kind of all of your like turn-ons versus your turn-offs would essentially find you better fits that kind of, you know, match with those pieces and naturally be a better, easier process. I wouldn't say that's what it is completely, but... Yeah. So as you're kind of signing up, I imagine, you know, the matchmaker asks you a range of questions. Is one of the questions, like, what are you looking for? And were you totally upfront about your motivation for getting on the apps? Like the true motivation being the breakup. Getting a matchmaker, if it's a somewhat decent service, is not cheap. So... Mm-hmm. I did a ton of background research on the company that I used, which was Three Day Roll. Mm-hmm. I asked them a ton of questions, including letting them know that I recently got out of a breakup and what happened, and seeing like you know, do you think this is good to do now? Should I wait? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, there's some sales component there, but. <laughs> I believe that everything happens for a reason. And even though three day rule didn't necessarily work out for me the first go around that it was a good chance to kind of force yourself to get out there and go on dates and be really open minded about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you just kind of dove right in like to the fullest extent. Well, you touched on a couple things that I wanted to follow up on. And so one is the fact that you did your research, of course, because like you mentioned, it is a pretty significant investment. So was three day rule the only service that you used? And if so, like what attracted you to that company versus others? And if you did use other companies, like how did those experiences vary? I used two three day Mm -hmm. rules, the first service that I used just Mm -hmm. pre pandemic. And I don't remember the other services. I did a general Google search and everything. I looked from Mm -hmm. like the individual like matchmaker people Mm -hmm. to the more like formal services and landed on three day rule, which was like mid tier out of like the price ranges of, you know, top matchmakers versus they were kind of on the top side of the hybrid of having a personalized matchmaker that utilizes a platform Mm -hmm. since they source from different dating app databases. Okay. Okay. And just to backtrack for anyone who's curious, the episode that I did with the founder of three day rule, that's episode 19 modern matchmaking. She very much dives into like her motivation and what their tenants are as a company. So definitely an interesting one to listen to if you're considering it. And so I'd love to hear like, what is kind of like the courtship process as you're signing up for a service? And what I mean is, I imagine, you know, you reach out, you say, I'm interested in potentially signing up for these services, and now they're selling you super hard. So what is that like? Like, how are they doing their best to convince you that you should go with their company? Just kind of using a frame of reference, I found the sales process of things really interesting coming from Mm the VC startup space. I love to see them like, how are they doing this? And I, for me, three day rule had this like perfect cadence where they responded, I think within an hour to an inquiry. Oh, wow. There was a girl that set up a call with me and then I had an in-person meeting 
and that like in-person meeting is the like lockdown period. But the way that they go through mm. it, they describe it. When I was doing my research on the company, I looked at all their com- like the complaints that they had on like Better Business Bureau, and every single issue was tackled head on. There's someone mm-hmm. that responded almost immediate. If it was some situation where they were not happy, like absolutely just full fledged, like not going to give up on the matter, then they'd end up with like a full refund. So three day rule just seemed to really kind of care about their client relations. And so I, I ended up going with them because like I said, they got back pretty quickly and they weren't overly salesy, to be completely honest, which mm-hmm. I think is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a delicate balance to strike. And I feel like especially with dating, like, yes, they are a business. They have to be salesy to an extent. But it's like you don't want it to feel super salesy because like dating is supposed to feel like fun and like sexy and romantic. And I feel like if they were to come across like super strong on the sales front, it would really just kind of like remove that fantasy of like it being this like fun experience in a way well not only that you have to be in the business of safety and so i think you know you have to vet all the people to a certain extent that are coming you know coming in and out it's so true i was actually just listening to a clubhouse room and it was all about dating and like from the perspective of men so i was just kind of listening in and one guy was saying that he is a dating coach and he has clients who have tried to use matchmaking services in the past and they won't even take him on as a paid client just because they think he'll be difficult either in a sense of like being too picky or maybe he'll be a hard sell for potential Mm. matches. And so it is really interesting that even though they are trying to sell you, you're also kind of in a way trying to prove that you're worthy of being affiliated with their company. So it's kind of like a two-way sales process. Yeah, and because of the whole thing of like, they don't want to have people that are going to be too picky and they want to take all of the things that are, you know, the pros or cons of dating somebody and make sure they find a decent match for you. You don't have a choice in the matter who they end up selecting and putting you with. So you have mm-hmm. to really go in with an open mind. You have to feel comfortable with whoever that matchmaker is going to be. Yeah, that's so true. So that's really fascinating. Do they ask you during the sign-up process, like what your personality style is or like what you react to best in a way to kind of get a sense of who might be the best matchmaker? Yeah, I think for me, I kind of went through like describing stuff situationally or trying to paint a picture of like this would be like the ideal characteristics of like a perfect match for me well i guess more in the sense of like which matchmaker they chose for you like did you get a sense that they were factoring in your personality when deciding who you would be working with um i felt like the person i had was she was good she like heard me and she was definitely like a good person for me at that like point in time because she was like a former therapist (laughs) so okay it it was it was two for one (laughs) oh well i had a therapist but it was good because it was like a nice transition from the relationship and you know talking through the things that 
were important to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm so curious because you said it didn't really work out for you on the client side, but you had this great matchmaker who it sounds like was pretty good at what she did. So I'd love to hear like, what was your experience on the client side and what eventually led you to step away from the paid portion of matchmaking? So on the client side of things, again, I don't think I necessarily did it at the right time to kind of dissecting these types of businesses at a certain scale. You can't really be doing quality, like personalized matchmaking, you know, at a a certain price point. So that element Mm -hmm. of finding somebody online or doing a Zoom call with them for three minutes to see if they're going to be a good fit is I feel like Mm -hmm. it's going to have a low hit rate. I don't know what their mm-hmm. real statistics are, but my first person was not a match whatsoever. The second person, and this could be them not asking certain questions or people not being honest with their answers, but they told me they didn't even ask this. But my second date had gone out of a relationship a month before, like a lot quicker than me. Oh, oh. <laughs> So really not ready. And the next one wasn't even actually like my match. They were going after her friend and her friend had just started (laughs) dating some guy and was like, hey, do you want to take this? And so I ended up going out with this other girl for like a couple months and she wasn't over her last relationship, which was also super recent. Oh my God. Okay. That's so interesting because like how I was alluding before, I feel like my assumption would be, okay, if we're in it here with the matchmaking service, like these are going to be people who are ready and open for a serious relationship. But it's interesting that you had two of the three women who were not, and you yourself like weren't even necessarily ready for a serious relationship. So I'm really surprised to hear that. Yeah, I honestly, I thought that anybody that was going to entertain going on basically a blind date was probably pretty, you know, serious about it that they would even consider that Mm -hmm. and vice versa. The person that's paying for this is paying because they're serious about finding like a relationship and that's important Mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. That's really interesting. So for the first match, you mentioned she wasn't a good fit. Why was that? Like what were the things that just seemed misaligned to you? So I don't want to go into extreme detail, but there was certain careers that I didn't want to date people within. And so she fell into one of those categories, which sounds probably weird. Wait, this is such a tease. Okay. And now I'm so curious. <laughs> uh, she was a shrink. And I was like, do not set me up with a shrink. I want to be psychoanalyzed <laughs> or someone trying to, you know, dissect the deeper meaning of what I'm saying or what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, even if that's my thing, I don't want to deal with that. Interesting. And I don't want to date anybody in the medical field. Oh, why Why not yeah. in the medical field, if you don't mind me asking? Just the different hours. Yeah. If yeah. someone's like working like nights and I work during the day. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of find stuff that like, you know, was somewhat aligned. I could care if they were a hostess at a restaurant, uh, just finding some sort of like aligning schedule. Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. So out of curiosity, had the career not been, you know, what it was, do you think that it could have been a good match or were there other red flags? Um, There's a couple other things that that I had. I was like, 
like other pieces like don't set me up this is where i just don't think that they asked because mm-hmm. i asked the other two people like the other two dates what did she ask you like what's that like interview process look like yeah what i had for jenna from her matchmaker and mm-hmm. to know i'm like okay this is not extremely detailed really okay so like what do they ask you when you're not on the client side i don't want to give everything away okay <sighs> The listeners are dying to know, Brandon. <laughs> I'm dying to know. <laughs> but whatever you feel comfortable with, I won't bully you. It's honestly, it's pretty cut and dry. It's them telling you a little bit about their client. I think it was a little bit different for me because mm-hmm. she had so much background from my matchmaker. So yeah. I don't okay. think I don't think that I got the full scope of what they actually would run down with like say a non-client that makes sense yeah they already have like the background the dirt on you kind of but again given the you know fact that they didn't key in on these two important parts i felt i don't know a little bit more of a sour ending Mm. okay and so were these the only three dates that you went on while you were a client before you moved over yeah you have an option of three or six okay and i did the three and then i had gone and done with the third i had gone out with for about like a month and a mm-hmm. half and i decided not to renew because the pandemic hit that's fair i end up going with another smaller startup matchmaking service called the list oh. who i know the founder mm. that i used for a couple months out in south bay mm-hmm. during the summertime that was a little bit less than three-day rule mm-hmm kind of a very similar like service process but it was good for being in the pandemic just to get out and date a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but other than that that's my kind of experience with matchmaking services okay okay were there any major differences aside from like price point between the list and three-day rule or would you say they're just pretty much consistent in format so the list has an app attached to it so Mm -hmm. you Basically, they have whoever signed up for this app. Just the way you could go to 3-Day Rule and sign up as a non-paying client and be in their database so that if they do find someone that they can paying client they can match you with, they will. Otherwise, you basically can kind of get a swipe a day. Oh. But as a paying client, you get these three swipes every day, which not only mm-hmm. gives them a little bit more of an idea of like what you're looking for, your matchmaker, and who you like, but if... You like one of these people, they'll send them a a note and try to make that connection. So you potentially Mm -hmm. get to choose who you're going out with. That is so cool. Yeah. like I like that concept. And because they're still more of a startup, they definitely Mm -hmm. are going to bat with you a little more. Like you can literally Mm -hmm. tell them. Can you please reach out to this person I found on LinkedIn and send notes to to make that happen? Uh, Hey, uh, she was working the front desk at my gym. Uh, Can you please try to go in there because I don't really want to talk to her. That is amazing. Have you done that? I've not. (laughs) Not yet. One of the descriptions of like, I will literally like go into a yoga studio and if I see a girl like there to like pick up for you, like I'm like, so can you like? tell you like hey i like this person (laughs) like you guys are in the south bay like yeah yeah it's a small community you know like it's not that hard to 
find the people who you have caught your eye over the over the weeks. That is so fascinating. It's a very smart hybrid approach because it's like you have the curation of matchmaking and it's more selective, but you also have like the modern day element of like app dating. And I feel like that's the perfect balance to strike, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess overall, like as you signed up for matchmaking, both for the list and for three day rule, were there any elements that were like so surprising that really stood out to you that you might not have expected or things that maybe you would have thought that you would have experienced that you did not? I think the first time going into it, I definitely had a different perspective and probably more of a bright-eyed optimist of I couldn't imagine a more perfect way to date and find that you know awesome person that you haven't met yet and it was definitely a little bit more of you know the semi blind date that you knew a little bit more about one another but Mm -hmm. no promises of you know any second date and I think as a paying client, at least for me, especially just the way I think about things like that, I'm like, uh, okay, this date's going to cost X amount of dollars. And I'm not even trying to sound like cheap because it's <laughs> not, not about that, but you three chances. And if, you know, the first person is not whatsoever a match and you're not really open to it, that's a couple thousand dollars dollar drain. And if you're up to number two... yeah. And you don't get, say, like a second date or just, again, not a great fit, then there's so much more pressure in that situation. Whereas when you're getting hit up on the other side of things to meet a client, it's like, I'm totally open to this, but I'm not attached to it. Like, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That raised so many follow-up questions. And that is a lot of pressure. I hadn't really considered it from that perspective of like, yeah, if this doesn't work, then was it a waste of money? I feel like it would be hard to get out of that mindset. But one question I have, if they present you with a match and you say like, no, I don't think I'm interested in that person, that doesn't count towards your like three that you get, does it? So the way they set it up, technically it does. If you don't want to go on it, Oh my gosh. My person told me like, I'll give you like a, you know, one pass if it's like really not someone that you want. But I feel like I kind of got screwed out of that a little bit because they had a female client and she's like, Hey, I just got this from one of the other matchmakers. What do you think? And it's totally fine if you don't like her. So I was like, I want to pass. And then the next one came up and she was Mm -hmm. less of a match. And I was like, oh my God, no, can this be like the past? Like, well, I already like found this, like, no, you didn't set me up. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. That must've been pretty frustrating. Yeah. That was extremely frustrating. But honestly, like for the most part, the person I had as my matchmaker was extremely nice. So I didn't try to make a fuss out of things and be like, listen, I need to talk to like whoever's in charge of skies. Yeah. Can I speak to the manager? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was again, still kind of coming out of a relationship and I had no energy to really fight anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So another question I had is when you go on these dates, 
Did the matchmakers give you guidance about like, oh, here's an idea of maybe what you should do? Because I feel like, you know, a lot of people aging myself here, like I used to watch Millionaire Matchmaker and I feel like she was very rigid about like, this is the type of thing that you should do on a date and this is the type of thing you shouldn't do on a date. Do they give you that kind of guidance or like maybe give you insight based on what the match likes? Again, to take the like half agency, like half kind of tech startup approach to it. I think they try to automate as much as they possibly can. So in that whole pricing model that they have, it's a package. So you have three dates. They set you up with a photographer that does a photo shoot. And they tell you it's like Mm -hmm. you do two, three outfit changes. Okay. Do they help you pick the outfits? They give you an option that they will have someone that like a matchmaker can suggest or you have two coaching sessions as part of your package where one of those people could be a stylist or Mm -hmm. one of those people is like life coaches and pickup artists to just different types of dating coaches. Okay, so when you say pickup artist, I feel like that elicits a very specific image of someone who's like, tell her that her shirt looks good, but that it like would look better if like she changed something about it. So like, what do you mean? Because I imagine that's not what it actually is. There was a person um, that was like a dating coach that was previously on the show, the pickup artist that I what? chose. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so like a legit pickup artist, like by title. Yeah. Yeah. That's so... Wait, so what insights did this person have for you? What did you take away? Honestly, I think kind of just like some good insights on dating in LA and getting through like a breakup. And I I was so interested and so curious in the whole like, you know, pickup artist thing that someone, you know, Mm -hmm. did this, that, you know, the real life hitch. Yeah. So I think I was more like enamored with that, not to necessarily like utilize that approach, but. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That is really fascinating. Like I'm very, I would be so curious to speak to that person. So as you are kind of going through this process, I imagine you get feedback both from the dates and then maybe also from these coaches about like things that you can change to optimize your dating style. Like, did you get any input into maybe things that you could do better going forward? I didn't. I don't think that any of the dates went horrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, from the whole coaching side of things... I'm a pretty even keel person. Like I'm not somebody that's going to come on strong, but at the same time, I'm not shy. I can hold a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if, if things didn't, for the most part, if things didn't work, it was for, you know, whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, honestly, what I'm hearing is that you were just a heartbreaker because like these dates were like, yeah, it went great. I have no feedback. And you were just like, no, I'm not interested. (laughs) Not in a bad way. Like I'm not giving you a hard time. But that's like, I think that's really positive because I imagine most people would have some sort of feedback from their dates. Yeah, like they'll share feedback that they give you. But I went in a second date with everybody but one. So the feedback stops after the first date. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And okay, okay. For some reason, I thought you only went on one date with them and like the careers and those things were a deal breaker. Okay, that's interesting. I try to stay open, open minded with all the dates where I would automatically do a second one. 
just to see if there's you know anything that kind of changes. But mm-hmm. after the first date, they don't get any more feedback. Oh, okay. That makes sense. You're like on your own. You're like a baby bird who's left the nest to fly by yourself. I mean, they send you an email. And if you're the paying client, they have a weekly call with you. Okay. You know, see if you did your first date. How did it go? Did you plan a second date? Like, what's that story? So they try to kind of monitor the first initial steps, I think. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I guess it's like... They can't micromanage you too much beyond that point. So I get that. Yeah. But it kind of felt weird. Like if after like the third date, they're like still hitting her up. And like, so how, did that <laughs> go? how did the fourth one go? Like, yeah. What? That's so true. Yeah. I, especially like it gets a little personal. So it's beyond just like, oh, yeah, like this was the first impression. Like I think that gets a little bit real and intimate. So it's kind of a different ball game. So... Have you noticed anything based on your experiences matchmaking about like your type and has that shifted at all because of the matchmaking process or not so much? Honestly, my type's decently eclectic. Okay. So you're not like super closed off. Yeah. That makes sense. Best way to date is be open to a wider range of people. (laughs) And now that you're a little bit further away from this breakup, would you ever consider going back on the client side? to like three-day rule or a different app? I would potentially consider going back, but I think Mm -hmm. it has to be kind of post-pandemic. I'm sure it's hard to feel like you're getting your full money's worth if you're like, oh, our dates are like going to be virtual for the beginning or like we're limited to doing certain activities. I feel like if you want to get the full bang for your buck, it should be like that full pre-pandemic experience. When there's nothing going on, like if they're not in South Bay, I barely leave here, which is not typical. I... In New York, usually every like two or three months, uh, but I literally find little to no reason to leave the South Bay. Yeah, I know you were telling me like that you go to dinner sometimes and you like travel on your golf cart, which is super cool. And so it does seem like you're very much like ingrained in the South Bay bubble at this moment, which I love. Honestly, I wish I lived in the South Bay, so I don't blame you whatsoever. (laughs) I love it here. (laughs) So a few more questions that I wanted to ask you about the matchmaking process. I'm really curious about the gender dynamics because a lot of times on the podcast, I've interviewed people about their thoughts about, you know, like who asks who out if you're talking about a relationship between a male and a female. And I'm curious, how do the gender dynamics differ when you're interacting with women who are like a match that was sent to you versus like someone who is on the client side? And like, does this impact who does the theoretical like approaching in terms of reaching out first and asking for the date? And like, how have you seen any differences? between that three-day rule keeps it completely traditional where they will uh, have the guy the guy regardless of if they're a client or if they are a match for a paying female client they will give you their number to reach Mm -hmm. out to them and set up a date okay so aside from that first reach out do you find that you know it might change the dynamics once you're on the date in terms of who is more I don't know if the word is active or like who is kind of more like taking the initiative for certain things, or do you feel like it's kind of the same, like regardless of who is on the paid side of things? Honestly, I feel like 
the client is a little bit more active. Again, at least mm-hmm. with certain services, it's like you're paying a decent amount of money mm-hmm. and you you know want to make sure that at least give it a try. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, I think after you get through that first date, everything goes out the window from there. It really depends if it's a match or not. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Another question I had is, I know you mentioned you've only had a few experiences where you've gone on like a couple of follow-up dates. So I know that you haven't necessarily had a long-term serious thing with someone who you've met matchmaking. But I'm curious from your perspective or maybe just from like the public perspective, how do you feel like the method of introduction speeds relationship progression? And that can be both in terms of like emotional and willingness to commit or even the physical. Like, are there any added pressures and implications when you meet someone through a matchmaker? That's an interesting question because I think that those probably progressed uh, quickest for the ones that were like somewhat of a match that like went further. I went on a first uh, matchmaking date that was 36 hours. What? Okay, you have to share. What did you guys do? Like, how did it last that long? It was a South Bay date. And uh, like we went from starting with the dinner that they set up to going bar hopping on the golf cart. And then I had to leave in the morning to go to my best friend's birthday in Palm Springs. And so I just asked him, like, do you want to come to this? So she uh, mm-hmm. came, stayed. I went to that. Uh, so, oh was, my god! Yeah, it was an interesting first date. Wow. Okay, so that sounds like a huge success. Like, how was she as a plus one to this party? What happened after that? Uh, she was good as a plus one to the party. Seemed to get along with people, make friends, everything. And then after it, we mm-hmm. went out for. Not like officially, like went on dates and stuff, uh, probably for two months, two and a half months. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what caused it to fizzle out? If you don't mind me asking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'll tell you offline. I'll tell you offline. (sighs) Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Sorry, listeners. You can't hear this one, but that is what a meet cute. Like that is quite the story. Um, so then my last question about matchmaking is taboo topics. And it sounds like maybe this isn't even a thing because you mentioned that you asked these dates, what kind of questions did they ask you when they were, you know, screening you? But I wonder, is there like this unspoken rule where it's like, oh, we shouldn't talk about the process? Or is it just this thing where everyone talks about it because it's an undeniable thing? So they tell you not to. Three-day rule is pretty adamant about like not talking about that process. And Mm you know, sharing it from mm-hmm. your side or their side. But I think naturally people just, they do it. You know, it's like, don't talk about Fight Club, but I think people can always talk about Fight Club. I was literally going to make that Sorry, analogy. took it. <laughs> That's took so it. perfect. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's impossible not to almost. It's kind of like even on the apps, obviously there's nobody coaching you and saying like, don't talk about the app. But... I think, yeah, it's like you would love to not talk about it and just pretend you met without it. But that's not the reality of the situation. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, like this is how we met. And so you can ignore it. Sure. But I think that if you're just being authentic, it's going to come up at some point. Yeah. 
So before we close out, I wanted to play a very quick game with you. And so it's Red Flag Deal Breaker, but Matchmaking Edition. And so the scenario is kind of like you get matched with this person. You really like everything about them. They meet your criteria. You're having a good time. But they do this one thing on the date. And so I would like to know, would this be a red flag where you notice it, but you're willing to go out with them again? Or would it be a deal breaker where you're like, I don't think I want to see this person again? Got it. So the first one, they're super engaged and attentive on the date. So it's like they're a good conversationalist, but you do notice them pull out a notebook to make some like casual notes about you while you're on the date. Red flag. Okay. They'd be thinking it's extremely weird, but uh, definitely worth the conversation. I would love to know like, why (laughs) are you doing that? I feel like that's kind of like your your hesitation around dating like a therapist. It's like, what are you analyzing about me? Like, what are you even writing in there? If you flip it around and it's the male writing something in there, you're like, <laughs> no, get the hell out of there because you might be a serial killer. I mean, honestly, you're so right. As a female, I feel like it's like kind of neurotic, but you're so right. If it's a guy, it's yeah. highly concerning. <laughs> Okay, so the next scenario, at the end of the date, they're like, oh my gosh, I had such a great time. And let's just say the matchmaker's name is Brittany to make up a name. And they're like, will you like hop on a quick FaceTime with Brittany to like tell her how well it went? And this is the end of your first date. Um, Red flag, not a deal breaker. Again, it would be something that I would say (laughs) constitutes more like weird, but hey, (laughs) <laughs> what if this turns out to be like more of just like an interesting story and this is what makes her so amazing <laughs> is because she's this type of psycho. Like, mm-hmm. It's like such a fine what's your balance p- of like, this could be a great story to tell our grandkids or this is a story that I tell my friends of like, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has their brand of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, so using that, you know, hypothetical matchmaker Brittany example again. So she's like, well, Brittany told me not to tell you this. And she says this three separate times before telling you like different anecdotes or details about herself. And they might not even be things that like you flag as like, oh, that's weird. But she's going out of her way to be like, I wasn't supposed to share this, but like I'm sharing it anyway. Um, I think probably if, if most questions are like this. They're so open-ended. I'm going to go with red flag. Yeah. Because it depends on how bad those things, like, actually are. Because what might be Mm -hmm. weird to someone else, somebody else, like, might be able to look past. Or, personally, I have some crazy friends. But I would say more (laughs) interesting people that I find extremely entertaining. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm, a lot to unpack there. But <laughs> Again, I off, another offline thing I can go in the way to tell. Yes, we have a lot to follow yes. up on once this once we wrap here. <laughs> okay, so the last one. So she's saying like, the state is going so well. I'm pleasantly surprised. And she admits that she was like hesitant to accept the setup because of a specific quality that you have and like calls it out. Just a red flag. Uh, I think it pissed me off, uh, but I'm extremely competitive that <laughs> I would be like so motivated to be the perfect person for her. You'll be like, I'll change I your mind. Cha- I will change your effing fu- <laughs> <not having> mind. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I feel like that's using competitiveness to the best way in dating. 
Well, this was amazing. Thank you for being so open, even though you were a little reserved at times. But again, I'll just follow up with you offline. Please do. (laughs) Thank you so much, Brandon. And it was so great to talk to you and hear a guy's perspective on all of this. Well, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. And for those of you who want to follow the podcast, you can find me at Interstates and Heartbreak, all spelled out on Instagram, or you can find me at Leslie Nope, L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.